If you like this podcast and other Daily Thunder content, please consider supporting us on our Patreon page. For just $5 a month, you get access to our morning roundups of Thunder news, notes, and commentary. It all gets sent to your email automatically, along with our jam-packed weekend edition newsletter that has exclusive and early release content. For $6 or more a month, you qualify for things like free t-shirts, mugs, hoodies, and special live event passes. For more information, visit patreon.com slash dailythunder. Thank you for listening to this podcast and for supporting Daily Thunder. Welcome back to the Daily Thunder podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Woods. I am here uh, with Spencer Davis, Managing Editor of Daily Thunder. How are you, bro? I'm doing great. How are y'all doing? Doing well. We, uh, We are also here with Brandon Rabar, Daily Thunder beat writer. Brandon, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to talk uh, some Thunder news. There's always something to talk about with OKC. There's always something going on. It never stops. It never stops. We've got quite a few things to hit on. Uh, First of all, did anybody see uh, Gabby Deck for the Argentinian team uh, yesterday? I did. I I can't. Yeah, go ahead, Brennan. Oh, I I was just going to say really quickly, you know, I'm, I'm kind of excited about Gabrielle Deck. And because we only saw him on a limited basis last season, only 10 games. So I was kind of excited to see him more in his comfort zone with players he's played with before, a team he's comfortable with, uh, a system he's comfortable with. And he looked really good. I mean, like he he scored 10 points. Uh, he had a few rebounds, but he was just comfortable in the post. He kind of abused Zach Levine a couple times uh, down low. But yeah, I mean, he looked good. Uh, he, he was one of Argentina's best players yesterday against the uh, U.S. team. Yeah, I, I felt bad for him because it seemed like they, I think they caught Team USA on a bad night, right? They were yeah. not going to lose three games in a row. So, yeah. uh, you know, I think they came out with a little bit more intensity. But, yeah, Deck looked good. Um, and, you know, we'll see. Hopefully he ends up uh, in Oklahoma City this year and, and can show out there too. I'll be honest, the first, when I was thinking about some of these uh, draft picks being on next year's team and what a potential uh, like depth chart would look like. I kind of forgot about him. Yeah. (laughs) And then uh, (laughs) watching him, watching him last night, I was like, I forgot, like this guy's really crafty and uh, has great footwork and he's a good, he plays, he plays well uh, close to the basket. Um, Even for his size. I, I just, he he's never rushed and he, he like all the things that we liked about him um he showed last night but even a little bit more so and against obviously against a, a pretty good competition so um that was fun the big news that we're here uh, to talk about is Kawhi. um Kawhi, it was uh, reported uh last night that he uh had surgery to repair a partially torn ACL in his right knee um, it's the injury that kept him out uh, of the uh, of the Mav series. What, was it game one? Did he play game one, and then and then he was out? Or well, well, I remind me how far he made it into that series. I think he made it through game four, right? Because okay. wasn't it wasn't it? Um, I think it was two two, and the Clippers in, then surprised everybody and won the next two. 
or no, sorry, not the, yeah, the Clippers against the Jazz. Yeah, the Clippers won games five and six that series, if I remember right. Does that sound right to you, Brandon? It sounds right. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's correct. Uh, yeah. Well, yes, he was, he, uh, so he, he missed the rest of the series uh, with what they listed as a knee sprain. Um, and it really was kind of murky, the details of that. Um, we didn't really hear much about it after the series. So, um, so yeah, he had a partially torn ACL. I remember at the time they, it was reported that the team feared a possible ACL injury, but really nothing else came right. of it. Um, so uh, Kawhi had surgery and from everything that I've read, it sounds like that's a nine minimum nine month recovery, sure. which would put him uh, back uh, earliest uh, next April and next, next NBA season, we know will be back to a normal schedule. So April, right around April is when the playoffs start. So you're looking at a conservative timeline uh, that, uh, Kawhi would miss the entire regular season um, next year. That's obviously, we don't know that for sure. Um, the, everybody responds differently to these things, but um, we know Kawhi has been very conservative with himself. Right. Um, Kawhi's <laughs> team has been very conservative with Kawhi. Um, so before we get into the conjecture and what this means, we should preempt that with, we hope Kawhi gets well. We wish him well. We hope he comes back yeah. all uh, all good because uh, he's a, a blast to watch play. We're going to talk about uh, – you're going to hear us talk about some positives uh, through the lens of the Oklahoma City Thunder based on a previous trade. Um, and so we are going to jump in front of that with uh, get well soon. Hope everything uh, – I hope it's not something that lingers and he's able to come back 100%. Um, so – now that we have that out of the way, why don't we uh, why don't we uh, dish on the uh, L.A. Clippers for for a little while? Um, I do want to let you guys kind of drive this conversation because um, I think you guys had a little more time to talk about the the implications. So, um, Brandon, you you see the news and you've had about 24 hours now to to think about what this potentially means, given that Oklahoma City is owed. Uh, the Clippers 2022 pick. So uh, take it kind of any direction you want to go. What is the, uh, the biggest deal or the thing that kind of stands out to you when it comes to this? The biggest thing that stands out to me is no matter what happens, that 2022 pick gained value, no matter what happens. I mean, whether he misses the full season, most of the season, half the season, the Clippers won't be as good with Kawhi missing time next season. Now, this also, you know, if you really want to dive into it, there's rumors that, you know, Kawhi was upset with the Clippers medical staff because they misdiagnosed his ACL tear and that he went and had it done, you know, uh, on his own. I don't know if that's true, not true, you know, whatever you want to make of that. But we've seen before with the Spurs of Kawhi's unhappy with how a team's doctors handle his injury. That doesn't go well. Plus, with Kawhi's injury history and load management and taking it easy, making sure he's back hundred percent. I think it's pretty safe to say that Kawhi is probably going to miss most or all of 2022. So if he's missing 2021 slash 2022, the pick is going to be a lot better than initially thought. Maybe we thought it was going to be 25 through 30. Now all of a sudden, 
Is it 15 through 20? Is it 12 through 15? How good can this Clippers team be without Kawhi Leonard? They still have Paul George, obviously. They'll have uh, Marcus Morris. Who knows if they're going to be able to retain Reggie Jackson? Who knows what's going to happen with Patrick Beverly? And does he really help that much? He gets injured a lot. Paul George um, hasn't played a full season in quite a while. Is he going to miss some time if Paul George misses time? They've got a lot of money locked into Luke Kennard. There's a lot of things going with the Clippers. Even if Kawhi doesn't come back, they don't really have any money to go out and get anybody. And because the Thunder have all their draft picks for the next five years, they don't have any assets to go and get anybody. Now, maybe Terrence Mann takes a leap. They got Luke Kennard, but they're paying him so much money. Like, how good? There's a certain cap to how good this team can be. Reggie Jackson, even if they keep him, he kind of played better than he's ever played in the playoffs within this season. You got to feel like he's going to go back to the mean. I mean, point guards don't just suddenly get better at 30 years old and play like they've never played in their lives and keep that up and sustain it. I don't know. There's a chance that this pick is, you know, the like Miami's this year where you get like the 18th pick. But there's there's a world where this pick is a top 10 pick as well. Yeah, I mean, Brent, that's – I think you hit the nail on the head from pretty much every angle there, Brandon. Like, this could this could end up being sort of – I don't want to say a home run for the Thunder because, like, Ryan led with, like, we don't – you know, nobody wants to, you know, say, ooh, Kawhi got injured, that's great. No, I mean, that's it's terrible. That's awful, awful for the NBA. You'd rather him be healthy. But the reality is, is that it could end up benefiting the Thunder and could compensate OKC in a way from, like, a karma perspective of how unlucky they got in the lottery – a couple of weeks ago, you know, now turns out they could end up having two lottery picks again next year, um, which would obviously help the Thunder. It would, you know, the circumstances of that are a bummer, but, uh, you know, that's just kind of the reality of it. And I wonder, guys, like, if you're a Thunder fan, at, at this point, do you, do you want Kawhi Leonard to re-sign long-term with the Clippers? Because I almost think that, that is better maybe for those – 2023, 2024, 2025, and 2026 picks if the Clippers are locked into literally $100 million of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Literally, hundred. it would be $100 million just between those two players. You mentioned, well, you, you mentioned this yesterday uh, in our, in our yeah. chat. Um, unpack why you think that that's an advantage. But other, uh, in my mind, my mind immediately goes to one of the best things that could happen to the Thunder um, this offseason is if Kawhi goes to another team, um, given sure. especially this summer that they don't, that doesn't necessarily mean um, that they're going to have a ton of money to spend elsewhere. Why, yeah. why, why uh, is, uh, is Kawhi re-signing there long-term a positive? I, I don't know that necessarily it's going to be a positive because again, he could, him and Paul George could, you know, rally off three or four healthy years here, right? Like that's certainly on the table, even in their mid thirties, we're seeing Chris Paul do it right now. Uh, it would not be unprecedented. However, I do think there is quite a bit of upside in having, you know, we may look up in 2023 and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George have John Wall esque contracts and they've been hurt every year since they were 26 years old and have, or, you know, all of a sudden those contracts are completely underwater. And by the way, the Clippers still wouldn't have any assets. They still wouldn't have any 
um, you know, cap space to try to go get somebody other than, you know, the mid-level exception or whatever. They still don't have any young players and that's not going to change other than Terrence Mann, who I think only has two years left and then they're going to have to pay him. Like it could turn into a roster building catastrophe if this goes poorly for them. Um, now, that being said, if Kawhi Leonard leaves this offseason, I think that I also think that's a win for the Thunder. It's almost no, there's no, not really any bad options right now uh, from the Thunder perspective, because I think anything between leaving this summer and, you know, signing a four year max or um, doing a one and one and the next summer signing a five year max, which he could do. Uh, anything you could find a silver lining in and could end up working out just fine for Oklahoma City. Yeah, here's what we know. We know that no matter what, the Thunder got Shea Gilgis Alexander in this Clippers deal. And right now, if we're being honest, I think Sam Presti would rather have Shea Gilgis Alexander straight up rather than Paul George sure. at this point in their career. I'm not saying that Shea is better than Paul George. So it's it's incredible that the Thunder have a franchise cornerstone who's likely a multi-time all-star. Things continue on this trajectory. Uh, and so all these picks are basically gravy because they've already, you know, won this trade. I'm not saying that the Clippers lost the trade. If Paul George gets healthy, they also got Kawhi because of it. I mean, if Kawhi gets healthy. So, I mean, yeah, if they win a title, it's a win-win. But from the Thunder's perspective, this is all gravy. And we thought that these picks would all be these late, 20s picks and everybody's like yeah but they'll be bad picks those are worthless i never bought into that because every year every season it's a mystery with the nba what's going to happen who knows with injuries who knows with young teams coming up and old guys falling off or getting injured i mean it happens all the time so here we are the very first pick out of all these clippers picks for the next five years and we're already talking that it might be a lottery pick what's that mean for the next four years after that i mean i mean it's it's all these picks are increasing in value um, and, and looking, looking up for the Thunder. And, and whether, like to, to Spencer's point, whether Kawhi re-signs or doesn't, if he re-signs, there's a world where, yeah, they're in their mid-30s and they're gobbling up a huge amount of the salary cap and they're not the same guys they used to be. That was always the risk that maybe those later picks would be pretty solid because of that. Uh, you know, but if Kawhi misses a season here, uh, you know, misses some time next season. Paul George misses some time because I mean, you just don't know how good these picks could be. So yeah, it's 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 looking pretty good for the Thunder as far as the overall totality of that trade and what it can mean and the assets coming back. It's it's looking really really good for the Thunder. I mean, I mean, think about it like this: like five years from now is the Thunder is the 2026 pick, which is the last pick that the Clippers have. Five years ago is when Kevin Durant, that is how long it's going to be and just how much stuff is going to happen over the next five years and how, you know, how different this Clippers roster and outlook could look like. And I, Brandon, you said you're not sure that the Clippers lost the trade. I, I think they did. I mean, we're talking at this point, it's going to be at least three years with no title minimum. I mean, it's already yeah. been two minimum three years with no title. So now you're talking about 22-23 season. And what, are they going to be 32 years old each? So now yeah. that's when they're going to break through? I, I mean, I don't know. Man. Like, Lucas come in. Um, the, there's going to be other teams that are, are going to take their spot, I think. And, I mean, Paul George misses 15 to 20 games a year now, every year. 
Yep. Like, and if he misses, by the way, if he misses 45 or 50 this year and don't want that to happen, I have a lot of respect for Paul George, just, you know, from his time in Oklahoma city, I wish him good health, but not exactly durable. Right. And if that happens and they don't bring back Reggie Jackson, is that like a bottom three roster in the NBA? I mean, is Luke yeah. Kennard your best? I mean, who's creating offense for you at that point? Yeah, they are. I mean, it would be Luke Kennard and Terrence Mann and Mark. I mean, Morris what a nightmare. I mean, that's, yeah. that's so much worse than the Thunder or the Kings or, you know, so any of the, even the Spurs, like any of the bottom beating teams in the West. It's probably worse than the Pistons. Yeah, it's it's really really bad if Paul George uh, misses time or get. And here's the deal with Kawhi out, they know that they're not going to be a title contending team. Now they have no motivation to tank, obviously, because the Thunder own their draft pick. So they'll try to compete with what they have, obviously. But if Paul George gets hurt at all, re-aggravates anything, they're going to take it easy with him because there's no point in trying to roll him out and they'll focus on the next season when hopefully Kawhi comes back and Paul, they want Paul George healthy. So yes, they won't be motivated to tank, but they absolutely will be motivated to keep Paul George as healthy as possible for the upcoming seasons. It's not like they're going to be like, Oh, we don't want to give the thunder a top five pick. So keep playing Paul George. No, they're going to keep their priorities in house. And that's trying to get, you know, the team back together for a title run the following season. So that could all play to the Thunder's favor as well. I do want to read, um, this is uh, via basketball reference, games played for Paul George over the last few years. Um, so he, the, the leg injury was before the 14-15 season. He, only, he played six games at the end of that year. Um, played 81 games the following season. Incredible to do that after that injury. Yep. Uh, 75 the next year, his last year in Indiana, uh, the two years in Oklahoma City, he played 79 and 77 games um, in those Very years. Um, and well, then, he played hurt for a lot of those, but yeah. Correct, correct. <laughs> um, and then, uh, so the two two years in the in L.A. so far, um, and obviously these are both uh, shortened seasons, but 48 games uh, the first year and 54 games uh, this past year. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you're, to your point, he he's missed some time. And uh, for some for some heavy stuff like shoulders are no fun, yeah. and it seems like it seems like shoulder injuries just especially in this in this occupation seem to just stick around, um, and it's just whenever um, you know just trying to uh, trying to relieve it as much as possible. But through the course of a, a of a season, especially as condensed as the last couple of years have been, like it's just been so tough on so many guys. Obviously we're seeing just so many injuries to these top guys that are playing such big minutes. So um, I, I agree. It's going to be very, very tough. And, and if Paul George were to miss time next year, it's, I mean, I like you're saying, I don't, I don't know who creates, who, who creates offense. I don't know. Like it's, it could get yeah. really dark for, for that Clippers team pretty quick. And and again, if you're thinking about, if you're asking yourself, can they keep Reggie Jackson? Yeah, like, that's it's not a great place to be. That's, I mean, I think that's music <laughs> to to the ears of Thunder fans. Like, if again, if Reggie Jackson is the answer, you are asking the wrong questions. And and he he's probably he has earned himself quite a quite a payday. And I don't know if they're going to be able to keep him. There's going to be teams that are going to offer Reggie Jackson more than the Clippers can offer him. I think. 
Right. And so, I mean, this is something that we talked about in the chat earlier as well. Uh, Kevin Pelton talked about this in an ESPN story today. The Clippers can only go to about $10 million because they don't have his full, his full bird rights. So they can't, you know, and they're way over the cap. Even if they don't, even if Cole Islands, they're still over the cap. Uh, maybe they could trade some guys and get out of it, but that is to- obviously a totally different scenario if that happens. But uh, let's say Kawhi resigns, opts in, whatever. They can only pay Reggie Jackson about $10 million. That's the max that they can offer him. And yeah, I mean, I think he's going to get, I mean, can't you see the Knicks offering him like 345? Especially if they strike out, um, if they don't, you know, if they, even if they yeah. do maybe drag, like if they were to take like Cooper, um, I still, sure. I still see them spending, you know, yeah. whether it's Lonzo or, or someone, um, if maybe they deal for Sexton, um, but yeah, I could the bowls are an use. option. I mean, there's, yeah. there's teams that could use no question. no question. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to be interesting. I, I'm in, in, again, do you, do you think it's an option? Let's say, let's say Kawhi walks and I'm not, I'm not speculating as to where he would go, but um, do you think they would? Do you think they would at least internally have a conversation about dealing Paul George just in in an effort to bring back some assets so they'll have something moving forward? Either way, yeah, that doesn't that doesn't affect Oklahoma City, I guess, because um, you know, those, those picks are owed no matter what. But do you think they would would look at moving him in an effort to? restock some i mean if you're paul george and Kawhi leonard leaves aren't you asking for a trade and, and he's probably still very, receiving he's still very tradable like the oh he's very under, he's yeah. under contract he's a he's a top you know 20 25 guy um and had a great postseason by the way he like, did he had an awesome by and large i mean a few bad moments missed free throws whatever but by and large had an awesome postseason and um, what a save too because they were they were close to they were close. Another to, disaster. To, yeah. <laughs> they were, I mean, we were, we were the Dallas. Mavericks let them off the hook. We I mean, were they, Dallas winning. Yeah. A, we were Dallas winning another game from all yeah. of this, you know, getting, getting interesting weeks but ago. Dallas was up 30 to 11 in game three to take a three Oh lead in the series and had blown that lead halfway through the second quarter. So yeah, I mean, this could have all looked very different, but to answer your question, I mean, yeah, I think they would trade for Paul George. Don't you think Philly would offer quite a bit for Paul George right now? Like the Clippers could get Ben Simmons back, probably get, you know, Tyrese Maxey or whatever, and just kind of start fresh. And then now if you've got that, if you've got Ben Simmons and Tyrese Maxey and whatever, if you're the Clippers and you're in Los Angeles, now you have a path to acquiring, you know, other players via free agency or, you know, agent trade stuff, whatever, you know, there, there's a, there's more of a path versus 32 year old Paul George who is owed $48 million in the 2024, 2025 season. Do we think, do we think Steve Ballmer is, is uh, doing Doc Rivers any favors? Huh. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about that one. Uh, <laughs> I do think that Paul George is absolutely tradable. Uh, now it's, I'm curious to see if he would want to leave though of quite goes just because i mean he's always said he wanted to be in la uh you know so this is home for him he could be the guy for an la team it just depends on how much he he values winning a championship versus being at home and being the number one guy uh of his hometown team i could see that going either way i could see the clippers going either way 
if Kawhi walks. It's tough to to kind of rebuild on the fly when you don't have any of your own draft picks. And so, like, if you want to go young, like you guys said, it would make sense to trade for another guy like a Ben Simmons, a disgruntled guy, uh, where you can still stay competitive, but then you're kind of in no man's land because you don't have your own picks. And if you're going to be young and rebuilding, you want your own picks. If you don't, you want to compete. But then how do you compete with Ben Simmons and then no other assets? It's tough. Like you just kind of be in this, this middle land. And as far as 2022 goes, if you look at it, I mean, the Warriors with Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Kelly Oubre, James Wiseman, Andrew Wiggins couldn't make the playoffs this season. And there's going to be teams like the Pelicans who are better, the Grizzlies who are better than they were this season. The Wolves are going to be better if they're at full strength. I mean, if that Warriors team couldn't make the playoffs, do we know for sure that even if Paul George stays healthy all season that they make the playoffs? I don't know. I think it's I think it's a coin flip. Uh, yeah. You know, as good as I know that they advanced against the Jazz, you know, after Kawhi went down on all that stuff. But, I mean, this this whole postseason was just kind of a cluster anyways with all these injuries. So it's just kind of unpredictable. Um, I don't know that with a small sample size and with Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris playing out of their minds, how much you know value we can put in the fact that the Clippers were still competitive with Kawhi out, especially with regular season and you don't have the same motivation as a postseason. Um, so I don't know. I just, I just keep coming back to 2022 and and that pick in 2022. The, the future is fun to think about, but but what we know for certain is 2022. And uh, the value of that pick, whether they keep it and, and pick with that or whether they decide to trade it in, in a trade for this draft right here, it just gained a whole lot more value. No question. And going back to the, the playoff teams, um, I think we could safely say the Jazz, the Suns, the Nuggets, the Mavericks, the Lakers – I would throw the Warriors in there as well. Like that's six teams right there before we get to Portland, Memphis, New Orleans, possibly Minnesota. I don't understand why all of a sudden they're supposed to be good. They suck. Um, hey, uh, they went from like the worst team in the league to seventh in lottery out in the last, you know, a few weeks of the year. <laughs> they, they did, uh, and boy, am I glad they did. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I think because there's an, it's an Anthony Edwards league, right? And a Car- Carl Anthony Towns is finally healthy. D'Lo is finally going to be healthy, theoretically. I mean, I, I think that's the case. I feel It feels like Memphis is going to be everyone's, like, darling yeah. uh, coming into to next year. Um, Jaron Jackson, finally healthy, yeah. Uh, hypothetical question. Who has to attach picks uh, in a Paul George, C.J. McCollum deal? Oh, the Blazers. Absolutely. Yeah, the Blazers. I think the Blazers. So why? Absolutely. I mean, that that seems appealing to me if I'm the Clippers. I not only get an asset, like I know he's a CJ's awesome. Um, but I could get a couple things um back. Yeah, I think I'd want Covington too. I think I think I'd want Covington and CJ for Paul George. I don't know, guys. See, this is this is what I'm talking about, no man's land, because CJ is good. But look at the Blazers with Dame and Nurkic and CJ. They're still, you know, usually a you know 
first first round exit, second round exit, and now you're taking away Dame and he CJ's your number one player. I mean, yeah, and you're getting Blazers picks, but now the Blazers have Dame and Paul George. So how good are those picks going to be? So even if you get picks like the the Thunder did, where you're like, okay, give me the 2026 20, and 2027 20, picks, whatever. Uh, you're in this weird, strange no man's land where for a few years and CJ's still making a lot of money. So you can't really improve your team that much. I don't see. That's why they're so stuck. Yeah. Yeah. Who, which high profile free agent is going to the Clippers to play with CJ McCollum as like their Rob. Right. right. Like if they're looking for a, if Bradley Beal is like, all right, who am I going to go play with? Who's out there? I don't know that he's picking CJ McCollum as good as TJ can be. Um, I do think, you know, he would be a better fit with Kawhi and Paul George is a better fit with Dane and vice versa. Uh, just, you know, with skill sets wise, but yeah. And by the way, if next year, the if the next year, the Clippers best player is CJ McCollum, who also has not exactly been the pinnacle of health over the last two to three seasons, uh, that the roster gets even worse to me. Um, I mean, at least Paul George is one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA when he wants to. I mean, she, she is not getting, giving you that. Brandon, you mentioned the pick this year. Um, I mean, this becomes another – well, I mean, it was always a bullet in the chamber, but it just got better. Um, if if Pressy feels like he wants to move up, I got to feel like the 2022 unprotected pick from the Clippers looks very, very enticing right now. Yeah, that's a, that's a sexy pick now. I mean, if if – Yesterday at noon, if Presty was talking to the Cavs at number three or the Raptors at number four and saying, hey, I'll give you the 2022 pick to go along with six and 16 or whatever it was, I mean, the Cavs and the Raptors like, okay, that'll be like the 25th, 26th pick. Now, all of a sudden, they're like, well, that could be anything. I mean, I mean, yeah. it could be at worst, you're looking at probably, you know, the 18th-ish pick, you know, if you want to be optimistic. Um as a, as a Clippers guy, maybe it's 18th, but you're also looking like, hey, that could be a top 10 pick. That could be a top eight pick, possibly. You just don't know. So, yes, there's, there's a lot of value that was gained to that pick if, if the Thunder want to use it in, in a trade right now because, you know, and, and it would be a little risky on the Thunder's part. If Paul George were to get hurt next year and they don't want to risk him getting hurt further because Kawhi re-signs and they shut him down, that could be a really, really good pick. So you probably got to value it as a lottery pick, maybe a late lottery pick, uh, just to find kind of the in-between because it may be as, as bad as 20, but it may be as good as five. So you probably value it somewhere in between there if you're a team, right? I was, gonna, I was just about to say, like, is there, a, is there an, an argument to be made that Oklahoma City should take it off the table completely uh, given – you know, I don't really know what the consensus is on next year's draft as far as how good it is compared to this one, but um, getting, you know, staying at six and drafting guys at 16 and 18 doesn't seem like the end of the world um, to me, especially if it means I get to hang on and just sit back and watch the Clippers next year. Like, I think that's, I think there's some value to that, um, that I don't know that, I don't know that I would want to move up. Is there is there a world where Presti says, you know, quit calling about the 2022 Clippers pick because I'm not I'm not dealing it. I don't think there's any world where Presti tells anybody to stop calling him. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. 
I think that Presti's phone lines are open 24 seven. Uh, I mean, he's like triple a dude is open for business all the time. Uh, that said, you know, I, I think that everybody realizes that pick has value. Here's the deal. I, I'm just, I'm guessing here. We're all speculating. We don't know, but Evan Mobley would be perfect on this Thunder team. The Thunder have no centers. He could be a transcendent type player. Um, and he could be available at number three. I think if uh, the Cavs were willing to do six, the 2022 Clippers pick and taking on the Kevin Love contract, I think that's, I think Sam Presti turns that in right now. Uh, and it would make sense on the Cavs part as well. I mean, they've worked out, they worked out Kaminga today. Uh, I'm sure they're going to work out Scotty Barnes. There's probably a plan there. You know, they could keep Sexton, they could re sign Jared Allen, get a Barnes or a Kaminga and the 2022 Clippers pick and get rid of Kevin Love's contract so you can re-sign these guys and maybe add a free agent. Makes sense for them. But then all of a sudden, yeah, 2022 Clippers pick could be a great pick, top five. But if you know right now that you can get Evan Mobley, if you give it up, I think Sam Presti does that. What if Mobley's not there? Well, then Jalen Green's there. So, no. you still, so Are you still or, just as excited? Uh, me personally, I'm not. I'm not. I know that you know, the entire, you know, Twitter sphere and, and drafting. I mean, I know how regarded Jalen Green is. I would still be excited. Don't get me wrong. I would be excited about Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs, or Evan Mobley. Any of the three, I would still make that trade. Absolutely. Because that Clippers pick could be 20. Paul George is great, and maybe he stays healthy. Um, so, yeah, I would still do it. I mean, my level of excitement would be most for Mobley, but I'd still be really excited about either of the Jalens as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm completely with Brandon here. Uh, I, I think that you you take advantage of of Kobe Altman or you know whoever whatever, whichever GM is trading back, being like, "Ooh, that may be a top five pick now or a top eight pick," and you you just get off the asset and you you get the player that you like, whether it's Mobley or Green. Um, you just you go get the franchise cornerstone guy. Um, next year's draft is is good. Um, I, I mean it's a lot of bigs, right? Like it's Chet Holmgren and Paulo Benchero are the, are the top two guys right now, but there's a G league ignite kid named Jaden Hardy. That's supposed to be really good. Um, there, you know, there's some other guys at the top, uh, there's a Purdue guard named Jaden Ivy that has been generating some buzz lately. Uh, and some other guys that will obviously emerge, um, you know, this time in the process last year, nobody really knew who Jalen Suggs was at least mainstream, but yeah, I, I just think you go get your guy and, you know, the Thunder are going to have a lottery pick next year, right? It's not like they're going to miss out on all these guys. You know, the, the Thunder are going to have their own 2022 lottery pick. And, you know, they'll, they'll have still all the assets in the world to trade up in that draft as well. So I, I, would, I would not hesitate to trade this, this Clippers pick to move up to, to three or four in this draft if, uh, if those GMs are interested. What are the Miami – what are the protections on the 23 Miami pick? That is unprotected, I believe. I'm or wait, no, this one is unprotected. The, right. the other one is, I think it's, is it 10? I think oh. that, I think that one is lottery. If I'm, I'm going from memory here, I'm not in front of a computer. Well, uh, I'm looking it up here. Um, while, while you're looking that up, the, in, in 23, thinking about this kid uh, from France, this big. Oh, oh Victor. Oh, Victor. Yeah. Yeah. So the idea of, you know, stacking assets for that class, uh, man, 
they've got the Miami, the protected Miami pick. Clippers uh, swap. The Clippers swap. That's it right now. Oh, and the Denver pick. They've got, they've got a Denver pick. That yep. Miami pick is lottery protected. Okay. In, in 2023, lottery protected in 2024, and uh, lottery protected in 2025, and then unprotected in 2026. So if the Heat miss the playoffs three years in a row, uh, then it becomes unprotected in 2026. But also that that is the pick that all along, if the Heat were going to make a deal for for a big name, that that was going to have to become an unprotected pick. So you know we'll see, see what happens. Right, and there's still a world where Miami wants to to trade for a guy, and they'll still have to unprotect protect it. And I guarantee you, if that happens, Presti will get another asset because he's going to argue, well, yeah, I can unprotect the pick, but that pick's going to get worse because you guys got better. So give me something yeah. else. Yeah, he may say you can have it unprotected, but I want it in 2025 instead of 2023. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so let's go. Let's talk Sexton really quick. Um, is anyone on? Is anyone like? Is there lot? Is there any logic to to trading for Colin Sexton? Here's my deal on Colin Sexton. I think he's a good player. He put up 24 points on good efficiency. He can score. He's not a great defender. Uh, I just don't like the idea of giving him max money and giving Shea max money while you're in the middle of a rebuild. And I think he makes you just good enough to where you're not going to get a high pick if you add him with Shea. Um, You're just, again, kind of in this weird in-between. So your pick's probably not going to be that great. I would sign him if the Thunder had, didn't have to give up much to get him. But having, no. to give up, uh, having to give up a decent asset to a solid asset for Sexton and then have to give him the money, that, that's, where I, that's where I say no. I, I think the Thunder can do better. There will be other you know, pieces down the road they could pick up with, with all their assets and, and they'll know better what to do with their money because things have been kind of figured out by that point. I think it would be giving up now if they were to do it then i think they need to start cashing in and you know start trying to compete because it's a weird it's a weird deal to do to give up an asset to pay that much money and then still try to you know get a top pick it doesn't really make sense yeah i I think i agree with brandon for the most part i mean i i'm more concerned with him only being six foot one than with giving him this this rookie extension i mean it's a lot of money but i think that he's proven to be worth it just as a scorer. The problem is, is that he's six one. He's a six one shooting guard, right? Like he's, yeah. he's not going to be a point guard. And if you're a six one shooting guard that really, you know, even if the Thunder have a six, five point guard, like they do, it's, you're kind of wasting the fact that you have a six, five point guard in Shea, right? Like that is supposed to be an incredible advantage that the Thunder have that whenever they're competing yep. again, they're going to, they're going to roll out a lineup at some point where they have five guys who have oh, what is Shea's wingspan? Like six ten? Is it seven foot? He's got, he's got basically like a seven foot wingspan. He's, okay. a, he's a freaking nature. They're going to have five guys on the court that all have seven foot wingspans. And if you right. bring in Colin Sexton, and I really like Colin Sexton, but I I don't think that he fits what Sam Presti's plan is. And the bigger thing is, yeah, I mean, you want to have a lottery pick next year, if not also in 2023. You want to have a top five pick for sure next year. Um, Especially since sex, you, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
Well, I, yeah, I was wrapping up. I mean, it, you want, you, you want to get there, especially since you're not getting one of those top guys this year, you, you want to get into that premium talent and Sexton's just going to bring you up to the floor or bring your floor up. And especially since, so you're running that asset next year because you lose it if you're not in the lottery to Atlanta. Right. So you're, you're losing your lottery pick next season and you're giving up another pick to get Sexton and you're giving him max money. It's not the best fit with Shea. I think that everybody fits with Shea, except this one just, it, it doesn't make much sense. Like you said, especially when you got Lou Dort, who's not very tall. He's 6'3". Right. So, you know, whereas it, it's just a, it's just an odd fit. Uh, it doesn't make all that much sense to me. So, yeah. I mean, if, if you're going to trade for, you know, all those guys that are being, you know, teased out there, I, I think there's better avenues. That said, if they were to get Sexton, I would find a way to get excited about it because he did put up 24 points. He can shoot the ball. He can score really well. He does it efficiently. And he did that with the Cavs. So, you know, I could get behind if it happens. Um, I'm thinking about Mobley now that you mentioned him. Um, especially yeah. getting getting a lob threat with Shea, like especially one like that. It just is very, very exciting. Someone that can defend as well as he does and then the potential to shoot from distance, like super exciting to think about. Yeah, no, I mean, Mobley, outside of Cade, Cunningham, Mobley is the most exciting prospect to me, period. And especially when you think about pairing him with Shea. I mean, there you would have your one and your five covered for the next decade if you're a Thunder fan. I mean, I mean, and with a guy that can be a superstar, I mean, Mobley is the highly, the most highly regarded center since, you know, Carl Anthony Towns or Anthony Davis. I mean, that's how highly regarded and a two-way guy. Then you got a two-way guy at the five, you got an emerging superstar at the one, then you can kind of fill in your two through four, which is nice, but it's kind of nice to have the bookends finished. It, it would just be such a perfect chef's kiss fit with Shea. And it would make, it would make Baisley and Poku's roles make so much more sense, I think. Um, if they like, we're just, we're not going to try and force these guys to the five. We know who we have now. Yeah. I mean, really you can say Shay's your one, Dort's your two, Poku's your three, four. I'll put a question mark on maybe Baisley, but question mark for now. And then five Mobley. And that's, you know, Dort and Poku, maybe they try to upgrade, you know, if you can get, you know, star talent at the two or three, but for now, it's kind of an exciting one, two, three, and five between those four guys. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. I want to talk 16 and 18 uh, in the hypothetical that Oklahoma City stays at both and picks at both. So, um, guys, we'll go with Spencer first. But at 16, guys you like in that range and guys you're, you're a little less excited about than the last time we talked. Oh gosh. I mean, who can remember what, what we had for breakfast yesterday, let alone what we talked about last time. No. Um, I mean, I, I continue to really like Jaden Springer. Um, I continue who to, seems to, to be, who seems to be like lower and lower every time I, every time I'm looking around. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to me. I, the defensive numbers are great. Um, and I, I really think that the Tennessee's coaching staff last year just didn't do a very good job by all accounts of, you know, what I've heard from people who watch them all year. Have you seen um, that slam ball? Have you seen that slam online video of him? Of Jaden? I have not, no. It's really it's a more of a profile, like in-depth look at like uh like 
draft prep and like family. Like it's awesome. Cool. I got really excited about Jaden Springer after that. Let me, let me pitch something to you here. Cause I, I was, I watched, uh, or I, I, I should say I skimmed cause I didn't watch the full thing, but the ringer did a video today with Kevin O'Connor, Jonathan Sharks and Jake Kyle Mann, where they did a mock draft. They went through all 30 teams and KOC gave the thunder, uh, Sharif Cooper at number 18, which I thought was super interesting. I hadn't seen that. Um, I hadn't seen him mocked to the thunder anywhere yet. And he's the antithesis of a seven foot wingspan. Uh, so I'm not sure yeah. that's going to happen, but that, I mean, it, it would be, that is a swing for sure. Cause he, if he can shoot it, which is a big if, I mean, he's, he's really good. Does, do you, do you feel like he immediately takes the ball from Shea? Like if, no. they're, if they're going to move, if they're going, I, I shouldn't probably ask it like that, but it feels like his strength is, is passing. Like he, I think he's considered yeah. one of the top passers in this class. Yeah, he for sure is. I mean, he, I think he's drawn Trey Young, Trey Young comparisons as a, as a passer, uh, but he would, I think he'd be the backup at first. I don't think he'd start. Like I, I, I would, I would bet, you know, if Dort's hurt or something, I could see Ty Jerome even start or Tam Aladon even starting above Sharif Cooper next year. Um, and maybe I'll, I'd be better wrong about that. But I, I don't know. I just thought it was an interesting fit because he—that is a swing that that Sam Presti could take. Um, I yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you because I have yet to see him mocked to the Thunder. Yeah, very. Yeah, very I hadn't even considered it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, other guys. I mean, Alperin Sengun is obvious. I don't think he's going to get to 16, but I really like him. Um, I think I even I somewhat half-heartedly made the case in our group chat uh, a few days ago that I would, that I would take him over Jonathan Kaminga. I don't know if I still feel that way or not, but I made the case, um, you know, if he, if he gets to 16 and the Thunder don't end up with Mobley, I think that's a home run pick or honestly, even if they do, because one of those guys could play four and then you just figure it out because they're, they're both so talented offensively. Um, gosh, I don't know, Brandon, who, who, who do you have your eye on here? I mean, I, I am higher on Jaden Springer than I was last time we talked. I've looked more into him because he was kind of one of the guys that I kind of glossed over because of his shooting numbers and things like that. I am a little bit higher on him than I was before. If the Thunder pick at six and don't move up, they're, they're getting Barnes or Kaminga. So my thing is at 16 and 18, we need shooters because Barnes and Kaminga aren't shooters. Dort, you know, maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But at this point, we can't say he's a shooter. Shea needs some shooters. So that's kind of what I've been looking at guys who can stretch the floor and space the floor. Uh, so now all of a sudden I'm a little, little bit higher on Cameron Thomas than I was before. Uh, I, I was pretty down on Cameron Thomas just because of his defense uh, and kind of his tunnel vision scoring the ball. But I kind of like the idea of a guy that can get his own bucket uh, and can shoot Corey Kisper. I would be okay with at 16 or 18 now because of the shooting. And then also, uh, <sighs> Kai Jones has been falling in mock drafts and he's been falling with the analysts and, and draft experts. If he falls to 16, I mean, that is like a slam dunk. I'm, I'm, you know, you talk about Sangoon and I like him. If he falls to 16, I would love Sangoon or Kai Jones if they fall to 16, but I'm, I'm higher on Kai Jones. Uh, and I, I, I hate the idea of drafting Sangoon at, at six, but I would love him at 16. <laughs> uh, I respect still, that opinion. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm still, uh, but at 16, I'd love it. Uh, also at 18, I'd be cool with Isaiah Jackson because he's proven that he can maybe do hit some mid range. He shoots the free throws uh, from the free throw line pretty well. He gets the free throw line well. There's a lot of guys I like at 16, 18. 
some mocks have Josh Giddy possibly falling to 16. I think that's a, you know, I don't think that's going to happen, but yeah. one of these guys, one or two of these guys that we don't think are going to fall are going to fall because yes. we don't think any of these guys are going to fall. Yes. And so somebody's going to be there at 16 that we don't think is going to be there. And it's going to seem like a home run hit real quick, Brandon. I, so you guys know these empty gym workout videos. I fall for them every time. Um, <laughs> and this week it happened again. Uh, I, I am coming around on Kaminga. I have tried to stay away from it. Oh, no. <laughs> I've tried to stay away from it. I, I really have. I've been – I've talked myself into Barnes and being excited about Barnes if they, if they stay there. Uh, if, if it's Kaminga, you're not going to hear any gripes from me. You really won't. Um, I, I think it – we have drafted guys with actual, like, hitches – in their shot, like, like their shots look like they pause and Dominguez looks fine to me. The problem with him is touch, right? I I think that is the the issue with his shot. And and it wouldn't be the first, I think about Dort and just how violent some of those attempts were (laughs) early on and what they've, what they've helped him, uh, what the way that they've helped him in that, in that specific area uh, makes me think that they that Kaminga would be just fine, and I, I keep going back to like we we just saw so little of Jalen Green and Kaminga, like comparatively, like yep. they didn't play that many games, um, and they played against yep. such, so much higher competition than these college guys did, um, and that's not the only argument for Kaminga, but I do like I like him more than I did. I'll say that. Um, is there is there value? in trading up for one of the premier guards, given that at 16, there's no way that Isaiah Jackson, Kai Jones, and Stingoon have all been taken. Um, is there value in taking one, getting up for one, either one of green or Suggs and taking the best available big at like 16? Let's say Kai Jones is available. Would you have buyer's remorse for, using all those assets for Mobley if you could have used those assets for Suggs and then taken Kai Jones is, is Shea Suggs and Kai Jones, let's say more valuable than Mobley Shea and your next favorite guard at six or wing at 16. I don't know. I'm asking. I I think Mobley is is significantly more highly ranked than like, you know, obviously, obviously he is right. Cause he's the top three pick and these sure. other guys are in the teens, sure. but he, you know, I see, so yeah, I'd, I'd probably rather just go get the best player. But to your point, I also would probably rather take Jalen green in this draft and go get Chet Holmgren or Paulo Benchero in, the, in next year's class. You know, there's, there's a couple of exciting center prospects for the next few years, um, particularly next season that I think are going to be guys that, you know, you can go get them. I mean, there's the, uh, who's the kid? Is it Nikola Jovic? He's a center, right? The kid that's all, it's almost Nikola Jokic, but it's Jovic. Every, with a, every with time a I see, every time I see his name, <laughs> uh, typed out, I think about the Pam, the Pam, uh, it's the same picture meme. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Nikola Jovic, uh, six ten power forward from Serbia. Uh, going to be hilarious, you know, watching, watching him. I mean, there's other, I'm looking at a 22 mock draft right now. There's a uh, guy named Yannick Insosa uh, from the Congo. He's at number eight pick here, 6'11". Um, 
compared to Clint Moise, the comp is a more advanced Clint Capella. So there, that's four centers right there uh, in the top eight of next year's class that you could say, okay, you know, we can go, we can get our center next year. If Jalen Green is, is there at three, I, I would be thrilled to take him. Um, and then, yeah, go ahead and take Kai Jones or Isaiah Jackson or Usman Garuba, um, at, you know, in the teens, if you still have a pick in that range left and, you know, develop them and see, see what it is. Maybe, maybe you hit gold with that. For me, I don't have any regrets if I can get Mobley, Suggs, or Green. No regrets. Like, sure. Regardless yeah. of, of anything else, I'm taking one of those guys. And then back to your point on Kaminga, just because I want to follow it up, just because I'm glad that you said something, because everybody is down on Kaminga now. Like he is, he has kind of been like the doormat of a sudden. Like, you know, Barnes got all this hype. Green's getting hype. Kate's the number one guy. Mobley's the best center. Suggs is, you know, still a top four guy, but Kaminga just for some reason, uh, and I think it's because of those shooting numbers, but like you said, it's a 13 game sample size against pro competition. He's one of the youngest players in this draft. He's 18 years old. This should have been his senior year in high school and he was going against pros and, uh, and it was a 13 game sample. So I'm, I, I would be complete if, if the Thunder are picking at six. They got to go with either Barnes or Kaminga, whichever one falls to them. Don't reach for as much as I love Moses Moody and want Moody or Book Knight. You got to get either Barnes or Kaminga at six if that's where you're picking and be happy with it. I, I'd be perfectly happy with Kaminga. There's a reason he was a top five guy all season long. His ceiling is through the roof. Yeah, like for just just athletically, his frame, like he's a monster. He he's guys don't come along like that at 18 years old to think what he I mean, in two to three years physically is crazy. Look at Luka Doncic's first 13 games of this past season, his three point average. It's about where Kaminga's was in the G league. I'm just saying, obviously Luka's a much, much better shooter than Kaminga. I'm just saying like when you look at 13 game sample sizes for shooting, especially as an 18 year old going against pros, it's hard to draw too many you know, conclusions for that. For me, I don't think it's a great shooter. If you knew nothing of their regular seasons, let's call the, let's call the G league bubble, his regular season. If you, if you looked at nothing else other than their pro day shooting, I don't know that you could tell the difference between Trey Mann and Kaminga. Like they look like adequate. They both look like very, very good shooters. They are. I think that's the problem with pro days though, right? (laughs) No question. No question. It's just to all that to say 13 games just doesn't feel like a lot to judge, uh, to judge an 18 year old on. And again, I was down on Kaminga. I don't know why. I just feel like he's, he's a little more valuable than he's being talked about right now. Like Brandon was saying. I do agree. I, I think he's got higher upside than your typical number six overall pick. And yeah. I think that's, I think I would for sure say that. Now I think his floor is also, you know, it's, it's not great. It's not, not, not what the Thunder signed up for, you know, at the beginning of the year. I agree with that. The floor is what's scary. The ceiling is exciting, but the floor is scary of the top six picks. I'd say he has the lowest floor, even more so than Barnes because Barnes absolutely has, defense and playmaking to fall back on that are NBA ready skills right now. Uh, you know, and, and Kaminga, I'm not sure has an NBA ready right now skill, but when you look at his age and his upside, his body, his physique, his work ethic and all those things, there is a lot to be excited about. If you're picking him at number six, again, 
this is a loaded draft, a deep draft, and every consensus draft guy, scout, everything has had him top five all season long for a reason. Um, I've seen Book Knight as high as seven. I've seen him as low as eighteen. Um, what what is the what is the thought on on Book Knight? Brandon, you want to take me, that one? Uh, yeah. I mean, I love Book Knight. I've I've kind of fallen in love with the idea of trading up to to try to draft him. The problem is, I wouldn't be surprised if the Warriors take him at number seven. Um, if not, I could see the Magic taking him at number eight. Sure, and probably the highest the Thunder could get in a trade up would be with the Kings at number nine. Maybe he falls to number nine. But my idea is, I, I really like the idea of drafting the Barnes or Kaminga, then trading up and getting one of Book Knight and Moody. To me, that's the ideal scenario if you can't get into the top four and get a Mobley or a Suggs. Uh, so I really, really like both of those guys, and I think that they'd be worth trading up for. I just don't know if they'll be able to because everybody else is high on Book Knight now. He's, he can generate his own shot. He can shoot. Uh, he seems like an overall, all-around great offensive player and at least passable on defense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean his deal. So at UConn, I believe I've heard I heard he only played in 15 games, but Sam Vicini has used this stat a couple of times. He took seven uncontested shots all season. Right. So that's a pretty good reason why he's got a 29.3 three point percentage, which I'm not exactly. worried about because he shot over the last two years at UConn, he's been very consistent, 80% free throw shooter on volume, averaged almost 19 points a game this year. Uh, the problem with him is he's he's kind of a ball stopper. I mean, 1.8 assists per game. Uh, compared to almost three turnovers a game, you know that that's certainly an area where where he would have to improve within the scope of an NBA offense. Uh, you know, especially playing in an offense with Shea and even Poku for that matter, who are going to be guys probably that would have a higher usage rate than him. But yeah, I mean, I, I would have him behind Moody, but probably uh, you know in that in that Jaden Springer tier and that next group of you know relatively young guards. Uh, I would yeah. like, I would take I would take Booknight ahead of Davion Mitchell. Yeah, I would too. I have it. I have in my latest big board that I've, you know, my big board. It's basically the notes on my iPhone where I just like, <laughs> where I like it's, cut and paste my guys like every my, couple days. It's my big board as well. I, yeah. I, yours, is, <laughs> yours is the best. Yeah. Yours is the best. Yeah. <laughs> so, so right now, though, I have uh, Moody at seven and Book Knight at eight. Book Knight's moved up to eight for me. Uh, Spencer, See, I've got Book. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I had Booknight at nine behind Brandon's favorite player, Alperin Sengun. So. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Sengun's like 15 for me. <laughs> ben, uh, speaking of guys we don't like, Spencer, what are we missing on Jalen Johnson? Why are we the last ones to the table? What you mean? I, I have, so I, I'm a, I may be a little bit out of the loop here. Is Jalen Johnson be getting a lot of love on, on well, the timeline this week? I only see the lowest I ever see him is like 11 or 12. I see well, him in the top 10 consistently. Here's the problem. Um, people don't watch the games. And not that I watched every Duke game this year, but if you talk to people that did, it wasn't great. Like his impact on the game is suboptimal. However, if you look at it, he shot 54, 54% from two, um, you know, 44.5% from three on a very low volume of attempts. But, you know, six boards a game, like his overall efficiency and percentages look pretty good. Um, but it just it wasn't great. And, you know, again, what did he change high school two or three times? Like, left Duke early. I don't really want to hold that against him. But, you know, you could if you wanted to, I guess. I, I just – somebody else – somebody else do it. Now, uh, who's the kid that uh, 
that Minnesota took, McDaniel's kid from Washington. I was all the way out on him last year. That was the guy that I was like, take anybody but him because of all it seemed like the off-court baggage that he had. And he looks like he's going to be awesome. So, you know, there's a chance that we're just wrong on, on Jalen Johnson here. And and Keon Johnson as well. We've we've talked about it off air, but if he if he's the guy that falls, I think you've got to take him at 16. Given, sure. Yeah. Given the the potential um, and just how how athletic he is and how much he could potentially fill it up on the wing uh, next to next to Dort or in relief of Dort, it just seems it seems like he's uh, got so much value at sixteen. I agree with the value pick. You got to do it, but man, at that point, I'd almost want to trade for somebody. Uh, you know, like say, hey. He's here at 16. Isn't that great? Come and get him. Give me, you know, 17, give me 19 and another asset to get him. Because if we're picking Barnes or Kaminga at six and then Keon Johnson at 16 and then say like Isaiah Jackson or Garuba at, at 18, I mean, Shea, Shea had the least amount of space last season. It's going to be even squeezed tighter next season if that's yeah. the case. And I don't, right, I, I, that's why I don't think, like, I do not think there's a world where they do that. I just don't. Like, we've seen the guys that Presti has seemed to like over the last couple of years, and those guys don't fit that. Can I read you? So, Keon Johnson had all this buzz for, for breaking the, the vert record at the Combine, right? Uh, here's the other names that are on this list of illustrious Combine participants. Kenny Gregory, Hamadou Diallo, Jericho Sims, Pat Connaughton, Kay Felder, Shane Larkin, Cassius Stanley, Tyler Bay, Timmy Bowers, and Markel Brown. Exactly. Just a bunch of nobodies. Exactly. Newsflash. Vertical leap doesn't matter in basketball, right? Like outside of, you know, one dunk maybe. And like if you're throwing an alley-oop, but it, it takes a lot more. Not that Keon Johnson can't develop into more, but this is actually, you know, you could make the argument that this is actually a negative indicator for, for what his career is going to be. Shout out Pat Connaughton, though. I mean, yeah. by far the most accomplished player on on this list, and I did a double take when I saw it. When I and saw the most surprise, the most surprising player <laughs> yeah, on the list. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and here's the deal: I've, I've said this before. I don't think that the Thunder traded away Hamadou Diallo for a second round pick and Steve Mahaluk just to turn around and draft Keon Johnson the next season, who has a lot in similarity with with Hamadou Diallo. Obviously. Keon Johnson's upside is higher. He's a little bit more equipped on the offensive end uh, than than Hamadou was coming into the league and probably, uh, you know, looking at the big picture ceiling. But, you know, at 16, it's a lot different than six. My whole thing was there's a couple of guys out there who are projecting the possibility of Keon Johnson at six. That is not going to happen. That is not fit the new prototype for what the Thunder are looking for. Uh, when you look at, Baisley, when you look at uh, V. Critchy, when you look at Poku, when you look at Maladon, all the guys that, that Sam Presti has drafted lately, he's not going for the long athletic defender who can't shoot anymore. So he's not going to use his best uh, draft pick since the first era of Thunder basketball, uh, you know, since he drafted James Harden on a guy that can't shoot. I just... Uh, obviously, now that said, Barnes and Kaminga are Might different. Scotty Barnes, yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah, minus Scotty Barnes and Jonathan Kaminga, just because of their upside. I mean, but Keon Johnson is just a different level 
than those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's safe to say this podcast will be excited past Oklahoma City's first pick to hear Keon Johnson and Jalen Johnson before 16. Because that means guys that we are excited yeah. about are still going to be available. If those yeah, two, maybe Josh Kitty's still there. Maybe Book Knight's there 16. Yeah. If those maybe, two guys go before know. if those two guys both go before 16, or I would say if they both go in the lottery, that's a big win for the Thunder. Yeah, if, if the Johnsons do, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, there's, well, it there's seems like Keon will. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. And and then some maybe somebody takes a home run swing on Zaire Williams. Uh, I, I mean there's guys. There's guys that can absolutely go before 16 when the Thunder pick at 16. 16 is going to be a good player. This draft is deep. 16 is going to be a player that probably goes in the top 10 last year. Uh, I truly believe that. I just think that this draft is is that good and that deep. Uh, so if the Thunder don't use 16 to move it, it's a win-win. They either use 16 to move up and, hey, you either just got yourself Suggs or Mobley or they stay at 16 and they pick a guy who you're going to be really excited about. It's going to be one of the two. Uh, Spencer, are you any more excited about the idea of Kispert at 16? Yeah, I was thinking about that kind of as Brandon was talking about shooters. Um, I mean, you could, I guess you like, if it happens, I could, you could, I, I talk myself into it. All right. Um, one, of I would us, ra- one of us. <laughs> I would rather have, you know, Kai Jones or Cam Thomas, just for the, you know, a little bit of upside, a little bit of yeah. a younger guy. Um, and again, like, why would you take, and I, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast or just to you, Ryan, but like, why would you take Corey Kispert at 16 when you can have Joe Wieskamp at 35? Like, I would just rather, if you're, if you're trying to draft the next Duncan Robinson, I would just rather have a Wieskamp in the second round. So but yeah, I mean, you could, you could talk yourself into it. I, I could talk myself into it if it happens, but I, I, I would expect them to either trade those picks uh, or at least one of them or, um, you know, or take a high upside guy. I've seen a lot of Zaire Williams to Oklahoma city at 18. Is yeah. that, is that um, how do we feel? I, to be honest, I don't love, I don't love the idea, but there is definitely some upside and like, there's a case to be made. Yeah. I mean, he had a weird year at Stanford, especially with COVID and all that. Um, and he would be, it's kind of like buying low, you know, like if you're, if you're right. playing fantasy football or something and you're, you're, you're trying to buy the the running backs that's been hurt for the last four weeks or something like that's kind of what you're doing by drafting Zara Williams at 16, because he was a protect, projected like top six pick coming into the year, um, you know, before the college season started. So to get him at 16, it seems like a value. And you know, get him into the Thunder's culture and development program. It, that is something that could definitely work out. There I can find a reason to get excited about just most anybody that's projected to go at sixteen. That's what's fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Zaire Williams, the upside. Jalen Johnson, the upside. Keon Johnson, the upside. Those aren't guys I would necessarily want to pick, but at sixteen, there's a lot of potential there. Uh, that those guys could turn into stars. But then if you give me Kispert, I'm like, okay, you just got the best uh, shooter in the draft who can actually do more than just shoot at 16. To me, I think that Kispert can actually be kind of like a Tyler Hero at 16. That's pretty great. Uh, and he actually, he's more, I think, athletic. His his combine numbers were better than expected athletically. Yeah. Uh, then, you know, Jaden Springer. I can be excited about that. Isaiah Jackson. There's just Kai Jones, Sangoon. 
somebody's going to be there at 16, you can find a reason to be excited about it. Like there's not a drop off really till about 20. When I look in the 20s, there's a lot of guys like, yeah, I don't want that guy. Yeah, I wouldn't be excited about that guy. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, the floor is really low or, you know, it's going to take a lot to reach their ceiling or their upside. But at 16, almost everybody that's projected there, there's a reason to be excited about. At eight, the more I look at 18, I, and I, I've mentioned this to you guys, this won't be a surprise to you, but I just love Trey Mann. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's he's a shooter. He's he's moved up my board as well. Um, again, I'm looking at shooters. If the Thunder get Barnes or Kaminga at six, I want a shooter at 16 and 18. Uh, so, yeah, a guy like him I would be really excited about because – or anybody that can create their own shot. Like, that's that's what the Thunder need, guys that can create buckets, get their own shot, they can shoot, provide spacing for Shea. You're building around Shea. you got a great defender in Dort. Those are your two core pieces, you know, going forward. Probably Poku, too, who, you know, he projects to be a good shooter and a pretty good defender, uh, you know. But you want to put guys around Shea that can shoot and create their own bucket. So I, I like a guy like that. Ryan, on, on a little bit of a lighter note here, how can you help me know the difference between Trey Mann and Trey Murphy? What's your <laughs> trick? What, what's, what's, the, what, what's your trick? where you can you can there's i mean one remember is, the difference one is like six four six five and one is like almost six ten like they're they look Was trey murphy big trey murphy's like six almost six ten he's big yeah uh, a, i thought i was thinking they were both guards for some reason oh yeah trey, a, okay trey murphy is a guard but he's six nine got it okay <laughs> i mean he he plays i mean he is a he is a three and d like prototype player um uh, when i also really like we should say Oh yeah. I really, really, really like him. Um, I do. I don't just like we're saying we, the thunder are going to always value at this stage in the rebuild, they're going to value upside. And I don't know that, that uh, Trey Murphy shows enough of that. I don't know. That's probably unfair, but he's really good. And uh, I would, I would be thrilled at 18 with Trey Murphy. I also really like, I also really like Josh Primo. Um, I, I, I think 18's early, uh, but I wouldn't mind using the seconds if they could use that to get into the late 20s. I think um, Primo's awesome. Um, I let's talk about let's talk about uh, Vrenz, right? I, I was just about to ask if I can if I can pay for him. I mean, he's please, he's please. so fun. I mean, he's I, listen. I mean, who knew who knew who this guy was like two weeks ago, right? But he's I mean, he's been tweeting about the Thunder like every three or four hours. Um, he's a six eleven guard, which, by the way, he has in his Twitter bio. I'm a six eleven guard, which is just a huge flex for anybody so, that follows so the draft. Kevin, so Kevin Durant of him, yeah. I and he's just he's just like a fun personality um, who can shoot. I mean, I'm looking at his stats right now in EuroCup. Shot 37.5% from three on almost five attempts a game. Don't look at his free throw shooting numbers because they're not <laughs> any good. But um, he can shoot it from three, two and a half assists a game, which for a player, you know, playing his role, very good, only playing 24 minutes a night, which is not atypical over there. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you could talk me into taking him at 18. It would be a reach for sure. But at the same time, he may not be there at 34 or whatever. I, is it the Thunder pick at 33, 34? I keep forgetting. 34, um, 34 and 36. 34 and 36. 
So he may be there at 34, but if you, if Sam Presti just loves Vrenz and there's not really a point in trading back, just to get your guy. Um, I, I, I would get there. I would be very excited to see a Vrenz Poku combination that, you know, between the forward spots. I love the idea of Renz. I, I, you know, I've seen him on Twitter. I see, I like his personality. He's already buying into, you know, the Thunder and OKC. And I think the Thunder like, I mean, he's exactly the prototype the Thunder are going after right now. They're looking for all these Euro guys who are, are big and long, can handle, pass, shoot, and uh, have a lot of versatility. Or they're all like 6'10 to 7 foot. Hey, just take as many swings at those guys as you can. And if one of them lands, whether it's Poku, Vrenz, Beat, whoever it is, if you get yourself like a Luka Light, take as many swings as you want. My thing is, though, not at 18. I don't like the, you know, the, the late risers, you know, the, the combine workout guys who are late risers. I could see, you know, trading 34 and 36 to move up if you need to to get him at, say, 27 with the Nets because, you know, they don't want to guarantee picking the first round for, you know, other reasons. Move up to get him if you need to or wait and hope he falls to 34. There's just, to me, safer choices uh, and even maybe higher ups, maybe not higher upside because his upside is crazy. But at 18, uh, give me somebody else who's a little bit safer, uh, you know, and more proven at, at 18. But, but at 34, absolutely. Or trade into the 20s to get him for sure. I've never seen a draft pick like tweet with fans like this. I've never seen yeah. it. It's so fun. I, I wish everybody did this. I don't know if this is like his agent telling him like, yeah, just be yourself, you know, do, do whatever. <laughs> it's great. Um, I, the first time I saw him tweet about Oklahoma city, I was like, ah, that's probably, you know, probably not a great sign that, you know, the agent let that get out there, but he has just been continuing to, to tweet about the thunder um, all day, every day. So <laughs> I fully endorse it. Do we do we suspect a promise? I mean, it would be pretty on the nose, right? If there right. was. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, when I first saw it, I thought it was maybe like, oh, you know, probably not in the middle of the Thunder because you never know about the moves that the Thunder are going to do ahead of time. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if, if there is a promise, he's certainly not shying away from it. I, th- I think there could be a promise at 34. I don't think he's been given a first-round promise. Uh, cause that seems crazy to, to give, you know, a late riser, a guy that was projected either undrafted or late second round, even a couple of weeks ago, he's been rising. Uh, you know, he's, he's a solid second rounder now, but to promise a guy, you know, mocked, you know, that late at 18, but I could see it at 34 and then, Hey, if he, if somebody grabs him before 34, it makes sense to him though. Like, Hey, worst case scenario, you're going to be taken at 34. Maybe you get picked in the twenties by somebody else, but worst case we'll take it 34. It makes sense for him to, to stay in the draft at that point, you know, to, to be picked at 34. So I could see that. But to me, like if you want to take a high upside late riser at 18, give me JT Thor. Yeah, man, I, he's so, it's, he just seems, um, I can't put my finger on like what seems off with them. Like I like the upside, super, super tall, long, pretty interesting, but I don't, I can't put my finger on it. I don't, I don't know why I'm not buying in yet, but yeah, I mean, you could, I, that's another guy at 18. You could, you could talk me into that. I think that would be, that would be a fine. It would be a reach, but it, I think it would be fine. 
Yeah, I really I agree. Like, like I said, like I, I'm not high on the late risers, but uh, you know, if you want to take a reach at 18 between those two, give me Thor, especially. I mean, give me the God of the Thunder, God of <laughs> Thunder on the Thunder. Absolutely. Uh, again, I'd be way more comfortable taking Thor with with a 34 or trading into the 20s to get him. Uh, but it would be a lot of fun to have Thor on the Thunder. Or a dork. What a what a combination. <laughs> yeah. Um last thing I want to say is I I don't I would be surprised if no matter who they take at six, and this could be Spencer, you, you can I, I think I think this is less the case given what you mentioned earlier about centers being available next year and, and the year after, but it feels like they're going to take a big in the first round uh, for sure. For one yeah. of those, one of those teens picks, if they're unable to move up for Mobley, regardless of whether they get Kaminga or Barnes, it feels like a big is going like, is there any chance they view Barnes as a long-term like five? I don't, I wouldn't think so. Maybe like a small ball five, right? Cause you, I mean, you could talk me into a Draymond Green comparison with him eventually. Um, on a few different levels actually, but yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. he, it, I, I don't think that's your plan within day one. I think maybe he becomes a small ball five. Um, but I know I don't think he's by any means you draft 10 at six to be your center of the future right away. It feels like if Charlotte, and I still think Charlotte is such a clean fit for Kai, but if, uh, if he falls, I, I've, I really think Oklahoma City is going to snatch up one of those, like Isaiah Jackson or, or Kai Jones. Yeah. I mean, Isaiah Jackson is another guy that could fit with Charlotte 11 that I've, I've, I've seen and, and heard a little bit. Um, yeah. You know, and even, you know, you could talk me into Sengun there. I mean, it's not the same athletic profile, but I, th- I do think Charlotte should take a center at 11. Um, and I think any of those three would be on the table, or they could trade back and take, Usman Garuba. I don't know. You know, <laughs> yeah, I was just about to. I was just about to ask. I know we've mentioned him earlier, but are we are we leaving Garuba out of this, out of that collection of bigs? Uh, he he's in that tier for me. Um, okay. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm looking at kind of just like a rough outline here, and I have him. Um, I have him behind. No, I have him in front of Isaiah Jackson right now. Um, but, you know, behind Sangoon, behind Kai Jones. Um, but, yeah, I think he's in that tier. And you see him as a five. Yeah, 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 I do. I mean, he's – I mean, it's tough. It's a little bit tough, right, because he's not seven foot. I think he's like six eight or six nine. but he's, he's a rim protector um, who can – who's not going to be somebody who gets – played off the court in the playoffs because he's so, he's so quick and so long in the perimeter. Like he, he's going to be able to do all right in switches um, and that sort of thing. But yeah, I think he's, he's got long enough arms that he's going to be able to be your shot blocker. What a, what a brilliant defender. Like just yeah. uh, as in help defense, like as quick as I've seen anybody, any of these bigs, like he is yep. lightning fast. Yeah, I mean, I would be, I would, if the Thunder took him at 16, at 16 or 18, and that was, just, that's their center, I think that's a, a great home run shot or home run swing to take. Yeah. Um, Brandon, any more thoughts on, on those late team picks and guys you like before we get out of here? No, I'm, I'm not high on Garuba if the Thunder take Barnes or Kaming. I'm just going to keep going back to the point of, you know, if you're picking a guy who's, 
not projected to be a shooter right out of the gate, at least uh, at six. I just don't think that you can pair him with a five that doesn't shoot. In the modern NBA, if you're four and five are non-shooters, and then again, you're two with Dort is an unknown. I just don't think it fits. That's why I'm really, really high on Kai Jones. Mm -hmm. If he were to fall, I think that'd be fantastic. I'm okay with Isaiah Jackson because he's at least proved that he can shoot free throws and, and has a mid range. And maybe that shows me that he can expand his game to, to the three point line. But that's why I'm down on Garuba. I think he's a great player. He's a defender, but he's really got no offensive game right now. As far as shooting goes, uh, he, he scored the least amount of points in this draft class. Uh, So, that, that would be the only thing I say. I just keep going back to 16 and 18. Uh, give me a shooter. Which is which makes the case for Sengun. Like, he can really fill it up. Really fill it up. And he, he I feel like he's going to project. I think he's going to develop a three-pointer faster than the others. Like, he can really, really shoot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, him and Kai Jones. I mean, Kai Jones is already, you know, he shot 38% from three this year at Texas, almost 70% from the line. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I've talked about Singer quite a bit. I definitely think he's going to be able to shoot. He's got awesome touch on the rim. Um, he, and he, he had, I mean, he has shot threes and man, it is, I mean, it's not a quick release, um, but you know, it probably doesn't need to be. Um, so yeah, I, I would have Singer in, in a tier above, above those guys, but you know, and, and to Brandon's point, like, I totally agree. I think the Thunder's center of the future is going to be able to shoot. But I, I don't necessarily think that if they take Groove at 18, that he has to be the center of the future. I think you take him and you see, okay, can you shoot? And he did shoot a little bit. I think he took, like, 1-3 a game um, this past year uh, overseas and made, like, something like 30% of them somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, but the free throw numbers are not great from him, and it would be a risk. But – at 18, I don't think you're giving up a whole lot to, to take a look there. All right, last thing we're going to do before we go, uh, we're going to pick – each of us are going to pick six, 16, and 18, and one, and at six you have to take either Kaminga or Barnes, and then you get to pick who, who you want at 16 and 18. Brandon, you can go first if you want, or I can go first if you want to think about it. Uh, no, I can go first. That's fine. If you give me the, the choice, I'll, I'll go. Uh, I've gone back and forth with Barnes and Kaminga, like – um, right now I'm still gonna I'm gonna go Barnes uh, just because I I love his floor and I and I do believe in his seating and I love the personality and the fit for the culture. Uh, so I'm gonna do it for the culture. Give me Scotty Barnes at six. Then I mean, can we be unrealistic at sixteen? Can we be like <laughs> Moses Moody? Is that what you're asking? Well, no, 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 no not that unrealistic. <laughs> like. If you've seen him in certain mo- – like I've seen Kai Jones fall to, to 16 and plenty Absolutely. of mocks. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. Yeah. Okay, so give me I'll, – I'll take Kai Jones to 16. Let's say he falls. So then I'll be – I'll take Cameron Thomas at 18. So you've got, you know, your your high floor possible all-star in Scotty Barnes. You've got a possible all-star ceiling-wise uh, – center who can play defense and shoot in Kai Jones. And then you got like kind of a Lou Williams six man of the year type ceiling and Cameron Thomas, a guy that can shoot and get his own buckets. I like, I, I would be, Gosh. I would give that an A. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think that would be a great mix. Yeah. Um, let me, I'm gonna go with Scotty Barnes. Um, even though I do think Kamingo would, like I said earlier, very high upside for number six pick. I, I just would rather bet on, 
Barnes being good at everything else and then developing a, a open three point shot, sort of like a dream on green did a couple years ago. He was sort of peaking. Um, I'm going to take Jaden Springer as my guard at 16. Um, I like it. Hard, hard nosed defender. I believe in a lot of the offense. I mean, Guys, Tennessee was running their offense through John Fulkerson last year, um, which is fine. John Fulkerson uh, seems like a great guy and is a good college basketball player, but it's it was not necessarily a modern offense. Um, so I would bet on the upside of a Jaden Springer at 16. And then for my center at 18, I mean, I'm going to assume Sangoon is gone by this point. Uh, so I guess that means I'm going with Kai Jones, who is a home run swing I don't necessarily love this floor. Um, and I think that that could be pretty scary and end up not working out, but, uh, I would, I would have him above Gruba or Isaiah Jackson at this point. Dude, I almost took Jaden Springer 18 instead of Cameron Thomas. Cause I like Springer. <laughs> so we almost had the exact same grab. <laughs> I, I will, um, for the, for the fun of it. And cause I, I wouldn't be mad at all. I'll go Kaminga at six, um, just to switch it nice. up a little. Um, and then I too will go, well, I'll take guard first at 16. Cause I don't think he'll be there later. Um, if you'll allow me a, uh, a Corey Kispert fall through the lottery. Nice. Sure. Um, sure. nice. I'll take Kispert at 16 and then, uh, and then Kai at 18. Man, we, all took we, all took we all took Kai Jones. <laughs> Love it. You guys, you guys are in on Kai. I'm such a fan. <laughs> such a fan. Big time. Oh man. I would well, give Ryan three of those A pluses though. I really would. Yeah. Like, I, I think I mean, that I think that's a a fantastic um haul. Like I think I think long term I, I think Spencer, if they get two like two guys that could contribute to like an eight man playoff rotation out of this draft, I think you I think, uh, oh, yeah. I think you throw a party. I think it's, it's a, a huge success. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think the expectation is one right at six. Yeah. And then if any of 16 or 18 pan out, I mean, I, I don't know the data, but I would guess that the on average guys picked in the middle of the teens don't necessarily turn into playoff rotation guys. Uh, I mean, certainly they can, you know, they do every year, but they also flame out every year, you know, some of sure. them. So, I don't know what the average is, um, but yeah, t- if you can get two eight-man playoff, and maybe even, I think ideally the guy that you take at six is, is a starter, yeah, um, and then one of the guys that you take in the teens is is coming off the bench, probably, probably with Lou Dort, um, uh, <laughs> you know, if it's, if it's a playoff team, if Lou Dort yeah. is still with us at that point, but um, yeah, I think that would be great. All right, we are going to wrap it there. Before we go, I do want to mention uh, our friend Brandon, who uh, is. Uh, he had to step out. Uh, Brandon and uh, Jerry Ramsey and John Ham want to give them a shout out. They have a brand new radio show uh, on uh, the franchise, uh, the Old Man Game. Is are we are they calling it the Old Man Game? Is that the name of the show? That is the name of their triumvirate. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's the name of the show or not, but it's but yeah, they, it's on the franchise. Yeah, Saturday morning. So. Um, definitely check that out. Congrats to Brandon. Few people grind harder than than brandon and uh we're proud of 100 he, he works super hard uh very well deserved uh and shout out to jerry ramsey and uh john ham uh so definitely check them out on the franchise on saturday mornings and uh, we will talk to you next week thanks everybody 
Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Daily Thunder. Be sure to check out other NBA pods on the Hoopheads podcast network, including Cavalier Central, Knuck If You Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, At The Buzzer, and Lakers Fast Break. There are also coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachesMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget the network's flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by Mike Cleansing and Jason Sunkel, and featuring the best minds in the game from its grassroots to the NBA.